Hello, friends. My name is Katie, and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast, trusting God with your love story. What? How? I need more information. It sounds confusing. It sounds like something that's cute on a t-shirt, but like, give me the nitty gritty nuts and bolts and how to do that. I get it. And I thought the best person to have this conversation was the girl who literally wrote the book called Trusting God With Your Love Story. I truly wish I would have had these conversations when I was younger. I know you're going to love this episode. So buckle up and get ready for this chat with my new friend, Erin. Thanks, Katie. I'm so excited to be on today. Yes, I just want to dive in. First, I guess if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I want to unpack like why you wrote this book and, and how that story can help so many other young women. Yeah, so basically, I'm passionate about encouraging women not to give up on the plans and future husband that God has for them. And, you know, I wish I had this podcast in my 20s because I was a hot mess. I made every mistake in the book when it comes to dating, sex, and, you know, I almost gave up on believing I could get married and even on my future husband. And, I didn't start pursuing God and trusting him with my dating life until my late 20s. And he just started to redeem my whole dating life, my sex life. And through the grace of God, I did find a godly husband. We've been married for two years now. We live in San Diego. But I just, I know that season of trusting God with singleness and dating is so hard. And so many women, even in the church, are tempted to give up or to settle. And so that's really what my ministry, Fun and Holy, is about. And this new Bible study, God was like, there's no Bible study on singleness and dating. And I was like, okay, we're going to write one together. And so this Bible study is all about helping women trust God with their future husbands. That, oh, yes, yes and amen. <laughs> and you're right. It's such a hot topic and it's it's this tricky thing because like, yes, I'm an independent woman. You know, I, all I need is God. And also, I, you know, I'm desperate. My eggs are expiring. I'm never going to get married. So I'll just, you know, settle for this guy who isn't my first choice, but at least he's a choice. You know, there's so... All of what you're saying is so real. And I think that everyone was just like, oh, she's reading my mail. She's reading my diary as you're saying all of this. So I would love for you to, yeah, just, I guess, tell us a little bit about going back to your dating story. Yeah. So I, in my twenties, I really wasn't with God and I just, I learned dating from the world. You know, I would read magazines, watch the rom-coms and Ever since high school, me and my friends, we had this idea that we need to sleep with someone in order for him to want to date us and eventually love us. So I lived in that party, that hookup scene for four years, for way too long. Um, so if you're the girl who is still going to the clubs on Saturday and trying to go to church on Sunday, this is going to speak to you because it is not too late. Um but I was actually 29 years old when I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. Like this approach to love and dating is not working. And, you know, I had experienced heartbreak, pain, soul ties. Um, just, it was clear. I couldn't keep going down that path. And so when I started learning about God and just how to do things right, to be honest, I almost didn't 
choose to follow Jesus because I didn't want to stop having sex. And Katie, I love how you're so real on reels. And I, I listened to a podcast back in November of like why it's important to wait. But it was just crazy to me. I was just like, who would want to date me? Like, are my friends going to think I'm weird if I'm not sleeping around? And so it was a battle really surrendering that part of my life. That was a big part in trusting God of like, okay, God, if you created sex and marriage, I'm going to do my best to wait and believe that. So I went through a season of just really coming out of that hookup culture. And I got planted in a church in San Diego, was praying for my husband. um, And I did meet a guy on my volunteer team, um, but he hadn't been asking me out. So I was praying like, God, is he the one? Like, should I ask him out? You know, my friends were like, oh, maybe he's shy or intimidated. But basically, I liked the same guy at my church for an entire year. And during that time, I almost gave up several times. I had so many moments with God just praying in tears of like, can you just tell me yes or no so I can move on with my life already? But God just kept saying, wait, don't ask him out. And that was really learning to trust him and the desires of my heart. But basically, after that year, my husband, Jeff, finally asked me out. We were at a Christmas party for our our volunteer team at church. It was literally like the scales on his eyes fell off. It was everything I prayed for, pursued me with confidence. And after, as we started dating, we got married nine months later. And so... God really made up for that waiting season. Um, but And the thing that I was afraid to trust God with, my sex life, we were actually able to wait to have sex with, with each other for the first time until our wedding night. And so I know that's a big question of like, well, if you're not a virgin, does it even matter? Can you, can you still wait again? Like, yes, it's possible. And we've seen God just move miraculously through our love story. Uh, I love this so much. <laughs> You're like the poster child of the girl that that I want to talk to. And like you have such a success story of you know living living the the party lifestyle. We're the same person. Um living the party <laughs> lifestyle, looking for love and all the wrong boys. And then it's like, oh shoot, it turns out another flawed human can't complete me even if he was great, even if, if even if he tried. Jesus is the only one who can fulfill me. You found him, you found your, your fulfillment, and then he blessed you with an amazing guy. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. And it was hard, but just now seeing the difference, yeah, I truly understood what love is, like what a godly, pure love is, because before it was just sex and lust, to be honest. And so God really showed me why that was his design and what love really is. Yeah. So I want to talk about that because you cover that in the book. Like how does God define love and how do you know that you are in love? How do you know it's like the real thing? Not just, I mean, because lust feels, there's a lot of feelings there. You're like, oh, he hot, you know, like what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, back in my twenties, I was like, oh, love is just like this intense feeling or physical chemistry with someone. And in this culture today, like I know a lot of people, look for physical attractiveness based on who they're going to date. And so 
I learned that like love based on a feeling or attraction isn't strong enough. And I can have sex with someone, but that does not mean he loves me. Uh, You know, I've been ghosted, cheated on, like sex alone is not love. It's a way to show love in marriage, but that's where God showed me, like, you can't just rely so much on that physical component. And those intense feelings, I think it's like when we watch those rom-coms, it's like, I can't eat, I can't sleep. Like, we're going to have those those highs when we're dating and in marriage, but our feelings can change. Like we're not always going to be on this super high with our spouse. And so that really got me to studying what does the Bible say about love and how can I apply this to romantic relationships? And, you know, the Bible, the gospel story is all about love. Like even if you're new to God, you've probably heard John three sixteen, like for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. And through the gospel of what Jesus did, God shows us that love is a sacrifice. Yeah. So I was like, well, what is the sacrifice? What does sacrificial love mean? And when you think about dating and marriage, it's really choosing to sacrifice your own wants and needs out of love for the other person. It's it's not just thinking of what you want, what you need, but how can you serve them out of love? How can you be there for them even when you don't feel like it? And so like Katie, I know you're married to like a common, I don't want to say issue, but in marriage it's like, well, who's going to do the dishes tonight? Like neither of us feel like it, but honestly, I do the most of the time to love my husband. I'm like doing something I don't feel like doing is serving him out of love. It's a sacrifice and he feels loved when I do the dishes. So when you think of a sacrifice, like, and when it came down to dating my husband, I was like, how do I know if I love him? Like, yeah, I have this feeling. Yeah, I'm attracted to him. I do want to sleep with him, but we're waiting till marriage and all that. But it's like, am I willing to serve him and be there for him for the rest of our lives? Mm -hmm. Like, do I like him enough to be his cheerleader and to be there no matter what happens? And I'm sure like if you attend weddings, there's popular scriptures about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Like love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love never gives up. Those scriptures also tell us what love is supposed to look like. And a key when you're dating someone is to replace love with the guy's name and see if that's how he treats you, because that's the way love that God intended. Yeah, no, that's so good. I heard it said one time to seek to outserve each other. Um, because you never heard of a couple who said, you know, was in marriage counseling or seeking divorce because you know that they're just too kind. They just serve me too much. You know, like that's never happened. Um, and, and obviously that can go astray when it's just one way, but if you're both looking to that example of Jesus, then you both looking to that example of serving each other. And then you're both like, what, how beautiful. And so you do the dishes more. Maybe he hates that more. I'm sure there's other things he does on his end more that you hate. And like, you're both serving each other in this beautiful partnership. And as you said, the way it's designed to work. Because in all my other relationships, I had the physical component, but now with my husband, 
I was able to feel truly loved and seen because when I saw how he treated me, it was, I remember the point when we were dating, I was like, oh my gosh, this is love because he loves me for me. He loves me for my heart, not because of my body. And so I think that was another aspect God showed me about love is like, we should be loved for who we are, not for our body or not for what we can do for someone. Yes. Yes. And you're so much more than just your body. Even if like, you know, he loves your body the most great, but you're more than just your body, you know? So yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Amen. Amen. Do you know that you can book a call with me? Yep, just you and me. We can talk about boys or faith or finding your calling or what you want to be when you grow up or anything in between. My passion, as you know from this podcast, is to be who I needed when I was younger. And I book online mentoring calls all throughout the week. I have a calendar where you pick a time that works for you and we just set a phone call, date, and make it happen. Usually I'm walking around my neighborhood. You can do whatever you want, but we're going to just get to all the good stuff. Sometimes all you need is an unbiased third party who has your best interest at heart. I want to be your adopted mom, cool aunt, best friend, whatever you want to call me, but let's get real. Let's get honest. I would love to be your mentor. Check all the information at katiebulmer.life. Well, something that I definitely want to talk about is how old were you when you got married? I was 31. Okay. 31. So in you know, a lot of times in Christian world, past your thirties, getting married, like that seems like panic mode for a lot of young women. And you learn to trust God with your timeline in your upper twenties, right? In your your yeah. late twenties. So I need you to unpack that. Like, what did that look like? You, it might be easy to trust God with your timeline when you're 18, but like you're up your twenties, you're probably like, Oh, am I ever going to get married? Am I going to be the crazy cat lady? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So I think when I made that decision, when I gave my life to Christ, I was almost 30. And I I was like, you know what? I did not waste my 20s. I can't look at it that way because I knew God was a God of redemption and restoration. And, you know, all those verses that say God works all things for good, you know, he uses our testimony for good. I had to cling to that, that no, God is going to use my past. He's not going to hold it against me. And time, like God can make up for lost time. Yeah. So so I had to say, no, I'm not going to have fear. I'm not going to worry that I'm getting too old or that my eggs are degrading for having babies in my 30s. Like, no, God can do anything. And I needed him. Like, I couldn't do it any other way. And so I was like, I have to believe that God is not going to run out of time for me. Yeah, I think that's great. And I and I think that all of those things I mentioned would be lies. They're, they're what our culture, I don't know that our culture teaches that, but for whatever reason, there is that, I don't know, this scary timeline. I don't know, one of my best friends got married at 32, and I'm so glad that she waited for her perfect match because they're adorable. But, um, but yeah, I think that that's just so important to talk about that, you trusted God with your timeline when it wasn't quote easy. And that's when you dove in. And I think that's so amazing. Yeah. And like, if you're at that stage or you've been single for a while, just like this season is not wasted. And so God will show you what you're supposed to focus on when you're single. Like you're not just sitting around waiting for your husband to show up on your doorstep. Like, yes, I believe in praying for your spouse, but also doing the things God has called you to do. And so I took advantage of that 
you know, when I was single, I was like, I'm going to travel for work. And I even took solo trips to Hawaii to just be with God, or I'm going to lead a woman's group. Like there's so much to do in this single season that like maybe God wants you to do before he wants you to focus on marriage. Yes. Yes. That's so good. And I think that one thing that I keep coming back to on a lot of episodes and especially true is this conversation is saying, God, you are good. And I trust you. Even if it doesn't work out the way I wanted, even if I don't see what is next, God, you are good and I trust you. And that is something I know even in my day-to-day life, you have to say until you believe it. And you were good yesterday. Why wouldn't you be good tomorrow? Like you are good and I trust you. And that is, I, I just think that that's so a powerful, simple, but powerful exercise. I think it's probably something, maybe it wasn't those words, but something you probably experienced pretty hardcore when you were switching dating ways. Yeah, but Yeah. On those days where you're tempted to give up, exactly. Remember all that God has done in the past for you. Remember all the prayers he's already been answered. And just because he hasn't, it doesn't look like he's moving in your love life. How has he moved in other areas? Like he is the same God. And that if you're single, that will renew your faith of like, no, God is the same person. He came through then. So why wouldn't he come through now? Yeah. A hundred percent. I want you to take me to dating BC before Christ. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Dancing it up at the club. Well, but then the transition and then you met a guy at church. Like I'm sure there was some tw- changing in 24 hours kind of process. Like talk me to that process. Yeah, it was, it was not an overnight switch. Like I was completely changed. Another factor that God had to deal with that went hand in hand with my dating and hookup culture was alcohol. And for me, you know, I went to bars, I got drunk, I drank a lot of alcohol. I thought that was the way to like meet a guy and end up in bed together. Um, You know, alcohol and sleeping with men, it it led to a lot of poor decisions, a lot of regret. Um, So for me, I really had to change what I was doing, where I was going and who I was going out with. And at the time I moved to San Diego and I didn't have a lot of friends and it was so easy to find those people who wanted to go out and drink and stay out and meet guys at bars. But that, I knew that that was not the path. I'm not saying you can't meet your husband at a bar. God can do anything, but God was like, no, I need you to get out of this scene. And so to be honest, I spent several Friday nights on my couch alone with God because I didn't have any other friends to do other things with. At the time, I didn't even know what I could do on a Friday night if it didn't involve drinking and going out to the bar. And so God really showed me, like, I had to learn how to be content just alone with him and trust that he would bring the right friends into my life. And um, so, yeah, I stayed in or I would work out. I would work out a lot on Friday nights to just feel really confident about myself And then God finally, I found my home church in San Diego and I finally met other godly friends who did other things besides drinking. And so if you're struggling in this scene of like the hookup culture, your friends really do make a difference because they can influence you so much and where you go. And so, you know, I can still go out to a bar now and I can still drink occasionally now, but God really had to remove me from that lifestyle because I wasn't strong enough for a season. But, um, you know, my ministry is called fun and holy because 
I was like, well, what do Christians do for fun? Like, how am I supposed to have fun on a date? If I'm not drinking or having sex, like, what do we do? Um, It just showed me that the importance of establishing like emotional intimacy, because without sex, you're going to talk a lot. And you're going to talk about things that are maybe more personal, especially more spiritual. And so it was actually easier to get to know each other without sex on the table because that lust that it wasn't like clouding my judgment of who someone was. So, and we did a lot of activities. Like, I think every girl does like the romantic dinner out. Um, But like, we like to go biking together and hiking you know, just going to a picnic for on the beach or a park. So there's a lot we did for fun that I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't need alcohol or sex to like have a connection with someone. And that's huge. And I think people, the world doesn't talk about, there's, um, I think it's six different forms of intimacy. We just talk about physical, but that, again, you're so much more than just your body. And and you got to, with that off the table, you got to explore all, all those other multifaceted layers of intimacy, which is so beautiful, <laughs> which I'm sure probably led to you guys being like, I like you. <laughs> yeah. And I think especially with spiritual, if you're, if you want to marry a man of God, like it's so when you just see his heart that I just feel like you can tell a lot about a person, you know, a guy can say he loves God, but how does he show it? And so for us, we got to serve together at church. Like I could see his love for God and for others in action, which really helped me fall in love with him even more. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like he is who he says he is like, and so serving together, doing stuff in church, like group events really helped us um, connect. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about that too. Like how did I, I talked to a lot of young women and they had this, the guilt of the past lifestyle or that, you know, I was the hookup girl. How could I possibly be the church girl? Or how can I possibly date the good guy and wait for marriage? Like, I don't think that God sees us any different. And I think that, you know, our sins are as far away as the East is from the West, but usually the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. And you, it seems to me have, had made a really clear, um, that's the old me. This is the new me, but I know there's a lot to unpack there. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. And when I first came out of that season of like, okay, I'm going to church. I'm not getting drunk anymore. I'm going to find a godly man. I still was overcome with shame and guilt. And I wanted to disqualify myself of just like, well, I know God forgives me, but like, would a guy judge me for my sexual past? Like I was just, I've had several sexual partners. Like if I meet a guy in church, like, is he going to hold that against me? Or what if he's a virgin? Like, is he just going to be like, no, this is not going to work. So I did have to overcome that. And even just in the Christian world, I didn't even feel like I was Christian enough compared to people who had been in church their whole life. I was just like, how can God use a girl like me with a past for his glory? And God spoke to me so powerfully through the story of Rahab in the Bible. And if you are struggling with shame or guilt, read this story today, tomorrow in your quiet time. But Rahab, it's in the book of Joshua. She was a prostitute. So she slept with men for money and she grew up in a city who worship other gods. So she didn't grow up in church either, but she heard about God who was powerful and saved people. 
and like was with the Israelites. So she decided to hide these spies on her roof, the Israelite spies to protect them from the king who wanted to kill them. So God chose to bless her. He saved Rahab from being destroyed in the city. So God's people destroyed everyone else in the city except Rahab and her family. But she wasn't just saved from destruction because she trusted God. Like God could have been like, okay, you're saved. Like you're good. God blessed her with a husband and a son. Rahab was the mother of Boaz. And if you read the story of Ruth or how many girls are being like, I'm praying for my Boaz. Boaz is one of the most like prominent men of God in the Bible. And Rahab was his mother. So you can just imagine going from a prostitute to a Proverbs 31 woman, if you will. But then Boaz, their family line became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so that just stuck so powerfully. Like God used a prostitute who didn't grow up knowing him to become part of the lineage of Jesus. And so that just reminded me, like, God does not hold our past against us. He's going to still use us. We don't have to disqualify ourselves for our past sins. Like, you never know how he's going to use you for good. And so, yeah, like, now to be able to talk about this and help other women through it, I'm like, you know, God is using my past for good, just like Rahab. Yes. And I'm just thinking again at the name of your ministry, Fun and Holy. I love that so much because part of my story was similar. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, like obviously my way of boys and Bacardi isn't working, but can I still have fun and be a Christian? Like I, that was so important to me and I didn't have any examples. The only people I knew that were what I would say real Christians were boring and like, you know, just not, they didn't know how to spell fun. And I'm like, no, what? (laughs) I'm sure you're great, but I don't want to be friends with you. And I, I love that, as you said, this former party girl, now writing Bible studies, like I, I just, I can't love it more because I used to think that the only people that could write bubbles, Bible stories were boring <laughs> and you're a former tequila yeah. shooter. <laughs> but we have to be honest. Yes. I drink way too much tequila. Like we have to talk about it because how many women around the world are being like, Oh my gosh, me too. I've yeah. just been afraid to talk about it at church. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that it's so cool because I I do truly believe that God will use the words that you have written, the Bible story, like this podcast, I hope just you, your work, your words, you're standing up and saying, Hey, I've had multiple sexual partners on a public platform. You know, so many women in the church don't even want to talk about that. Hey, yeah, that was me, but now I'm married to a good Christian guy. And let's just brush the past under the rug. You're like, no, let me grab a microphone and tell you how messy my past was and how big my God is. (laughs) Yes. And it, it is possible. Like, no matter how many times you've had sex or for the girl listening to this who had sex last night, like it is possible to overcome and to walk it out with God. Yeah. yeah. One more thing I think that would be interesting for you to unpack because I talk about this with a lot of young women when I do mentoring. What about the girl who was in a relationship, um, a sexual relationship, you know, their boyfriend and girlfriend, maybe they're going to get married. You know, it's not a toxic relationship, but she is convicted that perhaps I I would like to start over. I would like to trust God with my with my love story, as you say. What would you have to say to her? I would say, good on you, girl. Um, it's never too late. And if God yeah. has just been nudging you and convicting you, 
obeying God is, is way more important than being afraid to speak up to your boyfriend. And so, you know, I run into this with couples at our church. Like, you know, I've heard couples, you know, that have been having sex or maybe they just didn't know or didn't think like some people don't think you have to obey that part of the Bible. They're like, oh yeah, but that everyone does it. It's okay. So if there, whatever reason, there's that awareness of like, okay, like maybe God wants you to stop. But I love how you talk about this in your podcast. Like you have to know your why. And so sometimes like for me in the beginning, just knowing that God said sex should only be in marriage. Honestly, that wasn't a good enough reason for me. Cause I was like, well, whatever, like God, I'll give you everything else. But why do I have to give you this? Like, this is too hard. Like surely everything else, this is good enough. So you really have to know your why. And, you know, again, go back. I think it's why you should wait back in November for those ladies who are go back and listen to it, but really understanding the consequences of choosing to disobey God and just letting that sex in your relationship now. But I think it's just being honest, like, Hey, with a guy, like, I really like you. I still want to date you, but I really want to honor God in this area and making sure he's on board. And I, I hear that a lot in the church. Like there's a difference with a guy being like, okay, I'm going to respect your decision, but like he needs to want it too, because Seth, yeah. it's, it's tempting. It's hard. And so if the guy yeah. fully isn't on board, it's going to create conflict and temptation or like over time he may convince you to like, oh, well, just how about this or a little further? So you, I always recommend that girls, you have you know, your ladies, you can turn to for accountability and mentorship like Katie. Um, but guys, they need their guys too. So you should not be the one like teaching him everything about sex. Like make sure you point him to godly men. If there's a group at your church, like, Hey, you need to talk to a guy about this because I think for men and women, overcoming sex or even porn or masturbation can look very different. So I think it's just pointing him, making sure he has accountability in his corner too, to really understand and walk it out. Yeah. Thank you for the previous podcast shout out. I'll link that. It was just called the why behind the weight, but I'll link that in the show notes. It was so good. It's so important. You're sweet. Well, you know, it's funny. We, I interview a lot of people and um, you legit do listen to my podcast. So that's so kind of you. <laughs> It was just so real and relatable. I was like, yeah, we could talk about this all day. Yeah, besties, for sure. Um, I I love this. And I think what you said about accountability is is huge. And, you know, just having honest conversations, it's not like you're wrong. It's like, hey, I'm I'm discovering this. I'm 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 thinking about this more. Can we talk about it? And I think that that's so important. I love you. I love what you're doing. Tell us about your book and your podcast and all the things. Yeah. So trusting God with your love story. It is the name of my six week Bible study. And it really takes a deep dive through the Bible of how do you navigate trusting God with singleness, with dating? How do you know when you found the one? How can you pursue Christ centered marriages? And honestly, at Fun and Holy, I have a blog and the biggest prayer request I think I get from women is just, how do they not give up believing? I hear that one all the time. And 
you know, Katie and I can post all these reels of Christian dating advice and we can pray for you. But the biggest way to renew your faith is through God's word. When you remember who God is and what he says about you and marriage, that's going to give you faith on those days when you feel like giving up. And so that's why I wrote this in a Bible study, because again, Katie and I can tell you the scriptures on Instagram, but you need to discover these scriptures for yourself. And when God speaks to you personally, as you read the word, like that's what you hold on to. And so you know, it really talks about how do you trust God when you're sick of waiting? How do you not give up? Um, and I remember when I was waiting that year for my husband to ask me out, like I wanted to give up, but I just, I kept declaring God's word. I was like, but God, you said this, you said to seek you first to live righteously and you will provide my every need. And that includes a future husband. Or I would declare Psalm 37, four, like take delight in the Lord and he will grant the desires of your heart. And so I think if you're in that stage or you're not sure how to trust God, it really walks you through what is love? How can I make the most out of singleness? How can I approach dating in a godly way? Amazing. We'll make sure we link it and your social and all the things because you're you're doing some fun things on the internet too. I love it. <laughs> yes, I know. We need to team up more because all the dating yeah. stuff, all the questions. All the things. I have to ask our million dollar question because this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. If you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? So very simple advice. I would tell my 20-year-old self to keep your pants on and put down that shot. (laughs) We've talked about it, but if I had followed those two advice, keeping my pants on and not taking shots, I would have saved myself from a lot of poor decisions. Girl, I think that's amazing and practical and hilarious. And I love it. (laughs) Yes. Um, Also, can we go back in time and go back to the club, but not drink and keep our pants on and just dance and have fun. And then hit fast forward and meet our future husbands. (laughs) Yes. But you know, we can still dance now. And like my girlfriends, we're all about fun and holy ladies night, like dancing in the right context, fun and holy bachelorette parties. So You can still dance a hundred percent. And I encourage it, like live your best life. You you know, Christian life doesn't, and it never was, it never would was, or should be stuffy. It's, it's an abundant life. It's so much better than what the world offers because hangovers are not fun. Let's be honest. Waking up beside someone you don't even know likes you is not fun. No, no, no. Too many years of that. No girl. So much love for you. I cannot wait to share this episode on Valentine's day. Yes. And for every lady praying for your husband, I hope this encourages you to not to give up and God can move faster than you could ever imagine. So I can't wait to hear the testimonies that come out of this. Oh, I hope so. Yes. Please DM DM me or Aaron and we're going to share it. If you enjoyed this episode, I would enjoy you sharing it with a friend. If you take a screenshot and share it on your social, make sure you give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life, and I will definitely make sure I respond. And thank you so much for sharing the love. Hey, and if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. We have over 100 episodes interviewing experts and 20-somethings and everyone in between tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast, and I'm so thankful that you are here.